G'day. Welcome to the Soundwagon Diaries, episode one. My name is Jake. Uh, okay, let's uh, get going. Uh, an intro to the channel, I suppose, is the best thing. First up. Yeah, Soundwagon. I'm. I'm not going to sort of blabber on too much about um, an official introduction because. Here we are. You've uh, subscribed to the second tier, which is the videos plus the podcast. There's so much to cover because there's so much we've already done to this vehicle since it's come into our hands, but uh, a brief history. So this vehicle is a 1989 model HJ61 VX. Uh, VX badge, Toyota Land Cruiser. So 60 Series Land Cruiser, the last of its model. And then they carried on into 1990 for a bit, but those were really just leftover 89 models being sold in 1990, just to bridge the gap until they had the 80 Series come out. And at the end of 1990, now I imagine... They might have brought out a new Land Cruiser sooner, but with the arrival of the GQ Patrol, the Nissan GQ Patrol in the late 80s, I imagine that stirred up the game a little bit. So Toyota might have wanted to change a couple of things just to have an edge or just to at least... Uh, where are the words? justify a higher price. Um, that's just that's just my opinion, just a theory, just a theory. Otherwise, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it came out when it did. But the 60 Series is a pretty iconic thing. Um, so this vehicle spent its time in Japan until 2005, uh, when it was imported to Western Australia. Now we know that in Japan, vehicles don't do as many kilometres, but it must be kept in mind that they do a lot of hours. There's a lot of traffic over there, and speed limits are slower, so it takes you longer to get places. So the engines still do hours. So it's important to keep in mind, this had done, when it came into the country, it had done hundred and 160,000 Ks or something like that in 2005. And it was owned by a an older older bloke who was towing a small boat around. And he had it for about a year towing his boat, um, a year or so. And then the 200 series Land Cruiser came out and he chose to trade this vehicle in for a 200 series Land Cruiser. Good on him. Uh, great choice, in my opinion. So this vehicle was at the dealership, the dealership that my uncle used to work at as parts manager. So it was parts manager for Galleria Toyota in Western Australia. And he saw this vehicle here. He had had a 60 Series for a beach vehicle, um, you know, weekend beach getaways, in the 90s and early 2000s 
So, yeah, in about 2007, 2008, he bought this from his dealership. So, obviously, he probably would have got it for whatever they bought it, traded it in for, you know. They weren't worth much back then, really. But this was the model that if you wanted the 60 series and you wanted a diesel, this was one to get. Uh, nothing wrong with the 2H. I love those. This, yeah, you, this might speed up a little quicker. Maybe a bit better on fuel, but depends how you drive it. You know, every vehicle has its plus and minuses. The petrol ones were great. If you wanted to get a four-wheel drive just for weekends, nothing wrong with those. Yeah, the older style petrols, a little bit of problem with condensation and water if you get a bit of water in the dizzy, but everyone knows how to fix that these days. Um, yeah, I won't rant on too much about that. Jeez. So my uncle bought this vehicle and he had a few things done to it, a few maintenance things, uh, coolant flush, just done by the boys at the shop. And it was a weekend beach vehicle for, yeah, since about 2008. Um, so about 11 years. And then my cousin, my uncle's son, was driving it just to and from the train station. He was just using it as a, yeah, as a commute vehicle to and from the train station. So for a while, all it was doing was those really short Ks that we all know is not great for engines. Um, so by the time I got it, what was this? The end of 2019, it had done 186,000 no, 196,000 kilometres. And it was in pretty bad shape. And that's why I convinced, convinced my cousin and my uncle uh, to, to, you know, give this thing to me. Uh, I told my cousin, look, take my Lexus for a drive. I had a, um, I've always preferred four-wheel drives, but for a while I couldn't afford the maintenance and the upkeep of a four-wheel drive. So I got a Lexus LS400 to run around in and just tinker with you know I'd always wanted to have that that engine that Toyota 1UZ FE engine in my ownership and work on one of those because they had a great reputation and that really was a lot of fun and I loved that Lexus great car really well built I didn't like how much electronics was in it but you know you get that so I told my cousin look take my Lexus for a drive. If I was going to sell it, um, I probably would have got about four grand for it. In the condition this car was in, well, if he could, if he, he didn't really want to sell it because it's a pain in the ass to try and sell cars. You get all sorts of people saying they're going to come and look at it and they never do. And then some make an offer while they just send you numbers via text message before even coming to look at the vehicle. So you know, our standards of selling vehicles is pretty old-fashioned. You know, you used to put an ad in the paper, somebody gives you a phone call, they speak to you, you make an arrangement to come and look at it, you look at it, if you like it, you make an offer and start negotiation. Simple as that. You do not send somebody an offer before you've seen the vehicle. It's just rude. But, look, we live in a different world and you have to accept that, so... 
He didn't want to sell it anyway. He doesn't like selling cars and I get it. And I said, no, this thing needs to be in my care because it, it needs to be used for what it is. It's a four-wheel drive. And, you know, I've, I've grown up always being in four-wheel drives. And the only thing I hated about my Lexus was that it wasn't a four-wheel drive. And I'm not great at the whole civilization thing, so I needed a vehicle where I could spend a lot of time outside of civilization. And I said, no, look, this, this makes sense. You know, my cousin, he works with computers and that sort of thing, and he's, he's much better at that, and um, he's good at sitting down and that sort of stuff. And I said, no, look, take my Lexus for a drive. And he loved it. I can't blame him. Beautiful car. And uh, we said, yeah, let's do the swap. It was still in my uncle's name. So he was happy to see it going to me because he knew it was going to get the attention it deserved. So we did the swap, did the paperwork, and here it is. So at the end of 2019, we got our hands on this for, and you could say it cost me four grand if I was going to sell my Lexus. That's probably what I would have got for it in 2019. These days, I mean, right now, the all sorts of markets are ridiculous. It's a great market to sell and it's a great market to buy. Uh, because if you've got something to sell to buy something new, what you're selling is worth more than it was a year ago, probably. And what you're buying is also worth more. So look, it's good for both. Got this vehicle at 196,000 kilometers. And it needed a lot of work. First, I'll say what was wrong with it that we could see. And then we'll get on to the list of things we've done to fix this vehicle or to you know, give it some love. So we brought it home. The tyres were bald. They were illegal. It was shocking. I can't believe he was still driving it. The steering was very vague and we hadn't yet got under there to have a look as to why, but I imagine things had never been changed. Ball joints, um, what you, tie rod ends, all that sort of stuff. We imagine they'd never been changed. It didn't have any history with it. So that's what it was. We knew the engine was good. The engine was strong. Yeah, it might have done a lot of hours back in Japan. You just don't know. But kilometers hadn't done much. And it was running quite good. But we have the feeling that it, it had been babied for a lot of its time. You know, not driven hard at all, which they... You know, cars, when they've been babied for too long, they sort of wear into a groove that just makes them sloppy and sluggish. So there was a bit of evidence of that. So it wasn't steering good. It wasn't braking good. The suspension was sagged because everything was original. Might have had new brake pads once or twice, but everything was looking pretty sad. Um, and there was a dent in the top at the back of the roof so this is a high roof model and it just looked like at some point somebody reversed it into a tree branch an overhanging tree branch or something just a little dent and I'd never had a car with good roof paint and I thought if there was any excuse to paint any car this is the car so straight away I said let's get on top of that and I took it to a mate of mine who 
did a beautiful job for me for a great price. Uh, he said, look, we could blend it in, but you'd see it if you were looking for it. And it, it's not too hard to just do the whole top color of this vehicle. So why not? Let's just do that. Because the bonnet, it looked like the bonnet had been resprayed at some point, but they hadn't gone through the stages of sanding properly. So you could see sanding marks under the clear coat. And it was an eyesore. It wasn't very nice. So I said, yep, let's do the whole top color. I was happy that my money was going to someone I know. And he did a great job. Heaps of clear coat on it, two pack, really good job. It's going to last a long time. And we also, I got in touch with, because I work in the sound industry, I've, I really value quiet spaces. And this car is going to have a lot of conversations recorded into it, uh, recorded in it sometimes at speed, so I valued getting it quieter. So I got in touch with Car Builders, an Australian company in Melbourne, I think. used to think they were in Brisbane. Don't know why. But they're in Melbourne, great products, great prices, and postage time is brilliant. You can get stuff really quick. Uh, I've always liked sound systems and that sort of stuff. Um, that's just the world I'm in. So this vehicle is going to get a sound system eventually. It doesn't at this stage, but any the first stage of any good sound system is sound treatment. And I've, I know a little bit about sound acoustic treatment in uh, voiceover recording rooms and booths and recording spaces, that sort of thing. And it's it's not too different in a car. There's just a couple of things you should do, a couple of steps you should take. Anyway, so I got in touch with them and um, got some product and we did a product video for them if you want to see the whole acoustic treatment process. Uh, that's a video that we did for Intense, my brother's channel. So you can go to Intense on YouTube and you can see that episode there. Uh, the sound deadening, I'm going to have to do a separate video on that because this is just an intro and the sound deadening is worth its own, its own episode. So we did the sound deadening. We did that first. We stripped out the whole interior, right down, it stripped out the dashboard. Uh, that's when I found just how dirty the, um, just how dirty all the air, air conditioning system was. So we took all that out, cleaned it up, replaced what we needed to, gave it the love it needed, slapped it all back together after we put the sound deadening back in behind there. Double firewall, soundproofing, floor, doors, roof, everything. We took the roof liner out because the original one was... It's not great. Yeah, it wasn't great anyways, and we had to take it out to get some more noise and heat insulation up there. So we did that. Um, so we did all the sound deadening. Now, while the sound deadening was being done and it was going to take a while, I had a look in the engine bay. There were a couple of oil leaks in this thing that were, well, no, look, the whole engine bay was caked in oil and all underneath, everything was caked in oil. The first thing I had to do was degrease a lot of stuff so I could find out where these oil leaks were coming from. Um, so I got in there and I unbolted everything to get right down and 
scrub out areas that, yeah, I mean, look, that's how far I go into cleaning things. If I can't get to something to clean it, I unbolt whatever's stopping me getting in there. We took the intake off. We took the turbo off um, while we were there. So the whole side of the engine block on both sides was just covered in oil and dirt. And we found that it was the, uh, when we stripped it down, we found that it was the vacuum pump on the back of the alternator, the high pressure oil feed that goes to it to lubricate it. Uh, that had a split in it, common thing. And it was just spraying oil all up the side of the block. So a new hose, those hoses aren't too hard to get, uh, but it's probably not great to use any old hose. The turbo is quite close to the back of the vacuum pump there. So a little bit hard to navigate, but nothing crazy. So while the alternator and the aircon pump and the intake plenums and the turbo and exhaust was all off, we cleaned the whole side of the block and found out the engine block is blue because it was it was black when I got to it. So uh, also the PCV pipe where it connects back to the intake pre-turbo. So it goes from the rocker cover and it goes out and it goes along perpendicular to the rocker cover and just connects up into the crossover pipe between the air filter and the turbo. And when I took that off, I found that there was only one bolt. There should be two bolts. There was only one bolt holding that PCV recirculation pipe in place. And there was no gasket to be seen. So that shows why there was a black carbony mist all over the entire engine bay because it was just venting PCV vapor to the atmosphere and that's why everything was so dirty and also maybe why it was um, running a bit lean because it was probably sucking air or bypassing the air filter a little bit so that was you know I wanted to get straight on top of that yeah we inspected the turbo I had two people who I trust who are both trained technicians one's a heavy duty diesel technician the other one a automotive technician and they both had a look at the turbo inspected it and said yeah that's fine standard ct26 turbo we gave it a nice clean up because the that oil hose had spat oil from the back of the vacuum pump all over the turbo it was shocking cleaned up all the insulating covers which are two pieces of metal um and in between, uh, there's a bit of fiberglass. So a bit of fiberglass sheeting sandwiched together in between two bits of metal. It's quite effective. It's been around for a long time. Still hasn't changed. Uh, cleaned all those up. Cleaned up some parts. A lot of bolts were very rusty. And the protective coating, the protective zinc coating was gone. So by this time, we were in the first lockdown in 2020. I knew I was going to have a lot of time, so I ordered an electroplating kit and got to work and re-electroplated those bolts and stuff. And you can see all of this procedure we've done on either the Outback Sound Instagram page or on YouTube. You might find a couple of videos there, but most of the in-depth uploads were on the Outback Sound Instagram page. 
and they're just going back through the stories and I just did small video uploads of under a minute, no editing, just point and shoot. Um, and it was pretty difficult to do on that platform. And look, that's why we're here. But those videos are there. They're free. You can look at them, but you're just going to have to go through one video at a time if you want to find. It's a bit of a journey. So we cleaned up all the parts. Um, new new air conditioning compressor. New belts and hoses. New gaskets wherever they were needed. So a couple of turbo gaskets, the oil pipe gasket and the water pipe gasket. Uh, so new gaskets everywhere. Rocker cover gasket. That was leaking a little bit too. So rocker cover gasket. Cleaned everything up really nice. The air intake box, the air box most people would call it, just big round Toyota air filter box. They were used for like 10 years, 20 years. Uh, that was very rusty. So I took that off, sandblasted it, repainted it. Looks a million bucks. It's great. Some people would just buy a new one, but I don't do that. I just, I fix things. That's what I do. What else? Yeah, new air filter while we were there. New oil filter. Obviously oil change as well. Uh, fuel filter. Oh yeah, we found the whole, well, a lot of parts of this engine, there were blocks of foam, some sort of very temperature resistant foam put in certain areas around the block of this engine that I can only imagine would have been for soundproofing because it is the VX model. So they did their best to keep this engine quiet. And you've you got to do a bit of work to get a diesel engine, engine quiet. Uh, but this foam, being 30 years old, and the amount this engine had leaked and sent PCV vapour into it, this foam was disintegrating and it was full of oil anyway, so I took that off. And how much difference could it be? It can't absorb sound if it's full of oil. And so I took that sort of stuff off. There was this weird plastic cover over the sump, and in this plastic cover was a fiberglass a fiberglass matting similar to what you'd find just on the underside of your bonnet and yeah if you listen to the engine running while you're under there you can hear a lot of noise from the bottom of the engine so but this thing was full of oil that had leaked down into it from other areas of the engine it, there's no point trying to get oil out of fiberglass matting it's just a safety hazard and that plastic cover, and and it just didn't need to be there. Now, it, I'd say it would have made a difference to sound at some point, but not when it's full of oil. So I took that off. I've still got the cover. I might put something back there sometime, but there is one more oil leak I have to take care of. And I'll speak about that in another episode. And what else did we find? Yeah, so while I had a lot of bolt-on parts off the engine... I had access to the engine bay side of the wheel wells, which are made out of metal on this vehicle. You know, some vehicles, they're not, they're just plastic. And those were in remarkably good condition, but they were covered with a sound deadening, that fiberglass matting that was full of oil. And also rats had got in there and chewed it. And being in touch with car builders, I got some underbonnet 
sound deadening that is um, oil resistant. So fantastic, perfect for the job. I stripped out all this old fiberglass stuff and recladded the engine bay with the new car builders underbonnet sound deadening. Fantastic stuff. And then I proceeded to bolt everything back in, clean parts. Engine bay was now looking a million bucks. You'll see some pictures on the Outback Sound Instagram. Go through there. I am yet to do the underside of the bonnet. That will happen, but schedules were uh, allowing us to get this car to being close to be back on the road. So we had done the interior sound deadening, done all those tests. Uh, there was a difference of almost 10 decibels, which if you know anything about sound, that's a huge improvement for a vehicle like this. It really did make a difference. It's one of the best mods you can do. I was so happy with it. So the engine was running great. It's going, well, it was always running great, but now it's going to run great, but for a lot longer. And then we move on to what we found with the brakes, the suspension, the tie. Well, the tires were crap. Told you about those. Those had to go. Um, aircon hoses. Uh, we did a couple of aircon hoses. Aircon compressor. A new one of those. And then we plumbed all that up later on when we got the rest of the aircon system happening and regassed it. New batteries and the battery trays. Whoa, they were crusty. They were some crusty, crusty battery trays. And I thought while I was there, if I was going to spruce up these battery trays a bit, uh, I like I like what the 80 series has going for it with those battery trays that go up into a bit of a battery box stop a bit of engine heat getting to the batteries and keep the batteries in their nice little insulated area. I've just loved that. And so I made some of those and put some insulation around it and all that. It was very, very fancy. You'll see that on the Outback Sound Instagram as well, no worries. So two new batteries, gorgeous. Uh, a couple of new fittings because there were some dodgy fittings on it, jeez. Uh, we also, yeah, so new coolant, obviously, New thermostat, why not? Cleaned everything up. Now the engine was going great. New fluids, new coolant, new oil. Uh, gearbox, we did a gearbox flush, complete fresh oil, about 8 litres or 12 litres or something. Uh, did a few videos on that. You'll find them on the Instagram page. Um, diff oils, we did the diff oils. We did the rear diff pinion seal that was leaking. Uh, the front one still needs to be done. Just a weep. Um, yeah, the back one. We had to put a, a speed sleeve in it, quick sleeve, whatever you want to call them. It's a bit of a groove on uh, on there. So a new seal, you, you still can't guarantee that that will work. So, yeah, quick sleeve, no worries. And, uh, yeah, gearbox fluid, um, transfer case fluid, hubs. Took the hubs apart re-greased them, new bearings, and a whole bunch of new grease in there. Now, uh, that was part of the brake job because on these, to get the discs off, you have to take the hub off, take the hub out and bearings and all that, so you might as well do the whole lot. Don't know when it had been done. And what came out almost gushed out when we took it off. It was no longer grease. It was remnants of oil. 
but everything looked pretty good. Just needed a hell of a clean-up and a lot of love. And we found on the left-hand side, uh, left-hand front, the where the where the steering arm connects to to the hub, there's those four bolts on, on top of the steering knuckle. Those were loose, and we thought it was like a leaking brake hose or something, but it was actually just throwing out old runny grease everywhere because, yeah, this was really loose. So we that was all coming apart anyway. New gaskets where they needed to be, new bearings where they needed to be. Uh, talked everything down. Shims were good. Uh, we removed a shim on both sides because age and talked everything up and everything checked out, ran beautifully. We got Disc Brakes Australia uh, T2 slotted rotors for the front. Bit of overkill, but, you know, we like to baby this thing. We like to give her a lot of love and give her some nice parts. And uh, my brother has those same rotors on his 2001 GU Patrol. Obviously, they're they're not exactly the same, but they're the same brand of rotor, same style. So DBA T2 slotted rotors suited for his patrol. And we got those for the cruiser as well. Heavy duty D- DBA Disc Brake Australia, heavy duty pads. And in the rear, we redid the drums. So fresh drums and fresh pads in the rear. Uh, the springs were good. Everything was good in there. Seals were good. Axle seals were good. So... Yeah, everything was good in the rear. Steel braided lines. Uh, really good for that rock, if you want that rock hard pedal feel and you really want to feel the brakes. The only downside, if you're going to do that, you can't pinch your brake lines when you're doing a change. So it can be a bit messy if you're doing a, if you're taking the cal- caliper off. You're going to have to plug that up pretty good because you can't pinch, you can't pinch steel braided lines. So yeah, that's what you've got to live with. But the pedal feel is fantastic. I also rebuilt the front calipers just because, I mean, if you're doing everything else, you gotta, you're not just going to throw a shitty old caliper back on. So we did the, rebuilt the calipers, and that's simple. I think I did a video on that. You'd probably probably find that on on the Instagram page, yeah. Um, what, what else did we do? So we got all the brakes back together. Did well. We did the suspension either before or just after the brakes. We did we did all this stuff roughly at the same time. The whole underneath of the car was apart, and it was up on chassis stands. And we went with um, we didn't want to skimp on suspension with this. It's a leaf sprung vehicle. It's always going to be rough. So get the best suspension you can. Uh, We've had cheap suspension in vehicles in the past and you're just paying for it constantly. And when you're driving a vehicle as much as we are, you know, we live in a big area, long distance, shitty roads. Um, Look, get the best you... Look, the best suspension you can get is as much as you can afford. I didn't want to skimp on this. This car is pretty special, so we went with Dobinson's. No expense spared. Um, spent a lot of money on that suspension. The Dobinson's two-inch, all-around two-inch lift springs. Now, the thing is with 
lifted springs, they have a more aggressive curve pattern to give you that lift. And so you're going to pay for that with a harsh ride. Uh, look, if I'd make the choice again, I'd just go standard height, standard height springs on this because it's not a comp truck and it's more than capable in stock form anyway. So especially with an old school leaf vehicle, I would get standard height springs, but that's just me. And some people like to go massive with their lifts. Yeah, cool. Um, two inch lifted leaves and two inch lifted shocks. Uh, we made sure to get rubber bushings everywhere, not any of this uh, polyurethane stuff. Oh, shocking. Get rubber where you can and make sure you use rubber suitable grease. Otherwise, you'll be replacing them again in a thousand Ks. Sway bar link bushes, steering linkages. So all the steering linkages, the um, what are you, tie rod ends, steering dampener. We've got the, we got the Dobinson steering damper. Ordered that at the same time. And it looked great. I mean, bolting this new suspension on was just pornographic in the most literal sense of the word. Uh, it was gorgeous. Uh, fresh linkages, greasable linkages. Um, so everything was tightened to spec. Everything's brand spanking new. Got some fresh tyres on it. And we went out there to bed in the brakes and we bet in the brakes a little bit hard and the rotors warped. And look, I gotta say, I'm I was kind of disappointed because I wasn't slamming on the brakes emergency stop style. We were just making sure we were betting them in good, making sure you're really getting a good bit of weight in there. And they were feeling very good. And we took them back and then you nip up the rear drums as you do, because those well, after you bed something in, you've got to go back up and nip up the drums. But then as I was driving it, look, the suspension's so bumpy, it's hard to tell between a bump and warped rotors anyway. But I could tell, I was like, something in the brake system is out of round. And that pissed me off because I'd just replaced a lot of stuff and I was just surprised that it happened to be the rotors. So we uh, took, uh, took the rotors off, took the, hubs, took the hubs out, took the bearings out, took the rotors off, took it to a mate who happens to have a brake lathe machine. They just call it a machine, but works pretty much the same as a lathe. And we ended up having to take 1.7 millimetres off these discs. And that's a video on its own. I've got that video, so you'll see that soon. Uh, now the brakes are working fantastically. I can't fault them. Now we just have to get some weight in this thing because this suspension is just not wearing in. It's harsh. And that's coming from people who are used to riding in these old Land Cruisers and they're saying, no, it shouldn't be that harsh. So... And we know how to fix that, so we're going to continue on with that. You'll find out about that in later episodes. So that's about what we've done. Oh, yeah, the roof liner. So we 
because we took the old one out and as, as it was coming out, it was so brittle and frail that it just ripped. So I started measuring and cutting to, to make one up. And mum said, no, 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 you're going to hurt yourself. Do your first sewing job with a pillowcase. Make a pillowcase. Don't make a roof liner. So mum stitched up this roof liner for me. It was fantastic. It's a beautiful job. And I refitted it to the vehicle after we put in all the sound deadening and stuff. And it looks great. It looks great. I'm really happy with it. Uh, There's a video on that uh, coming up soon. So eat your heart out. I retrimmed one of the doors. I did that in the summer of 2019, 2020. That was a hot time in the shed. I redid one of the door panels because the old door panel was warped. There's a video on that. You can find that on the Intense YouTube channel of us yeah, making this, retrimming this door. That was actually a lot of fun. You know, auto upholstery detail is pretty cool. I also cleaned all the seats before they went back in. We cleaned and re-dyed the carpets. Oh, there was was some shit that came out of those, I tell you. Um, So it's been a year since we did that, did that door panel and it has warped. So I'm going to make a video on that because that was an experiment and it failed. So we're going to make it out of a different material. Just a good thing uh, I'm going to be working on those doors when I do the sound system because we're going to build some speakers into it that are going to be very, very classy. Uh, Gear gear selector. The automatic gear selector was very rattly. So as I was taking that all apart to get the carpet out, we found that there should have been some bushes in there, but they had disintegrated. So got my mate to 3D print up some bushes, some simple mele- uh, some simple measurements, 3D printed up some bushes. They fit in there great. Put in some a um, little bit of uh, red rubber grease. It's just friendly with anything that's plastic or rubber. So the gear lever is quite nice now. The winch. The winch failed on us. Uh, I'm doing a video on that. But this car needs this original PTO winch. It's got the power takeoff winch. It's fantastic. So I'll do a big video on that. That'll be great. That's really got to be about it. Oh, yeah, when we got it, there was no wraparound bull bar. There was just the big lower lip bumper with this big cast iron winch poking out of the front of it. And I found on Gumtree the suitable wraparound bull bar for it. So, I mean, that was just, that was just a win. So now she's driving great. Yeah, we're going to slowly get the suspension working better. We took a leaf out of each side on the rear. Um, That's made it a little better, but even still, it's not great. We just, and this thing is uh, never going to hold huge amounts of weight. It's going to be a touring vehicle that you can change up for each trip, but it's never going to carry huge amounts of weight. It might tow a trailer and there will be an air, air helper system in it for that. No worries. Um, final thing, we got a 
wholesale automatics nomad valve body kit because the the gears were changing too quickly and it wasn't anything to do with the the cable the kick down cable was actuated properly but the torque converter was locking up too early so it would change into fourth at 60 kilometers but it would also lock the torque converter in at 60 kilometers and it made the thing labor like a bitch and it wasn't great and that was just a side effect of and evidence that this thing has never had a hard life it's just been babied so the valves have become lazy um, so we changed up the valve body and now the torque converter kicks in at 70 75 k's that's when when it locks in and beautiful smooth shifts i made a video on that uh, that will come out on intense pretty soon i suppose next couple of months that's going to be a funny video actually and the brake job video that's a funny video um yeah and that's i think we're up to speed i th i think we're up to speed that's all i've got on my list yeah tires yokohama geolander all terrains they're fantastic love them you know we wanted this is a japanese spec vx land cruiser and we want hats off to that we don't want it looking like everything else in australia where it's just huge lift and tires and just all this bolt-on stuff that you know just in my opinion i i can't see the beauty of the vehicle when there's all this stuff in the way for this this particular type of vehicle uh we, do, we don't want to see stuff covering it up and changing it we we want it to be hats off to 1989 and the way things were done back then you know when when you traveled in the outback you know you took a couple of jerry cans you didn't have fancy tire deflators or anything you just let your tire down with twigs you know but there's there's a couple of good mods in here like uh, a little luxury um had a friend arb helped hook me up with a beautiful arb twin twin air compressor that thing's a beast and what i love about it it's the 24 volt special order model for trucks and stuff uh, because this is a 24 volt vehicle and we want to do a hats off to that system a lot of people are scared of that sort of system but we'll we'll do an episode on on 24 volt stuff but that's pretty good you're now up to speed we must have like 40 minutes here how long do you want to hear me dribble shit this is just an intro of what we've done so far then we'll get into it and really get deep in and involved in certain topics but look thanks for being here and i'll see you very soon bye for now